0: This is the University of Georgia Griffin News, brought to you over WKU AM 1450, 102.3 FM, The Rock 88.9 FM, and streamed live on WKURadio.com. This program is to update our listeners of the many and exciting things at the University of Georgia Griffin, with Dr. Lou Honeycutt and his guests. The program is made possible by Frank and Carolyn Harris of Round Oak Resources Tree Farms and Murray and & Company Realtors. And now today's program with Dr. Lou Honeycutt.
1: Well, good morning, Griffin, Spaulding County and the surrounding area. We are back again for another edition of the Griffin Campus News. As always, we thank our sponsors for allowing us to continue this program. And we've got an incredible one today. We've always got an incredible one. But this is – I don't know how Elizabeth got these three people in the same room at the same time, but this is really incredible. And we're going to talk about a whole lot of things on why it is so incredible. And we'll keep using the word incredible because it is. But we – I'm with today with three of our researchers on campus um, who were uh, – uh, unique in that there's an award we're going to talk about that the three of them received, and even the fact that the three of them received it makes it unique. We'll get into that in a minute. That's our teaser for a minute. But I am with Jack Juan who is a water scientist, professor in crop and soil sciences. sciences. I'm with Yenkan Hung, who's a food scientist and professor in food science and technology, and Dan Suter, who's an extension entomologist, UGA Cooperative Extension. And so welcome, gentlemen, to the show today. Right. And what we're going to do, we do this every time, first time you got I'll start with Dan, so y'all can hear him tell his life story. But, but what I, what we try to do, and what we have done with the show, is I want people to understand how cool y'all are. Y'all not y'all not boring scientists that sit in a lab all day long. <laughs> and so by doing that, I want to kind of humanize y'all by telling your life story, literally <clears throat> from birth till now, how you got to this seat, how you got to Griffin. So we'll start with Dan, and sure. we'll go
2: down the list, and then we'll start our topic. Sure. So, uh, so I'm an entomologist. I grew up. In South Florida, actually, before there was a bazillion people down there, right? <laughs> so, uh, but I grew up in the outdoors. My, I grew up hunting and fishing in, in South Florida. And I was one of those kids that, uh, kind of never, you, know, you never got, lots of people grow out of insects. They grow out of bugs when they get older. Sure. I never did. <laughs> right. So I was one of those kids that was always kicking over the log and looking what was underneath the log. And, and so I pursued that as a biology degree in college and, uh. Um, when I got into junior college in down in Palm Beach County, I, I uh, went to see a professor. She was retired, and I, I tell this story every time because it really is the power of a teacher. Uh, I went to her one time. I didn't know what I wanted to do. It was my uh, second year in a junior college, and I asked her what I wanted, you know, what I could do with a degree in biology, and she said, uh, well... Uh, there's a field called entomology. I could couldn't spell entomology at the time, <laughs> and and uh, she said the University of Florida has a great program, and uh, so I looked into it, and here I am. You know, thirty five years later. That's the power of one two minute conversation a I with a teacher. I agree wholeheartedly. Teachers are really powerful. So. Uh, so after that, I went to went to UF and got my PhD in 1994, and we right. don't hold that against you. By yeah, the way. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then went to uh, Purdue for five years, and came to to UGA and been here since 2000. And we love Griffin. And you've been on the Griffin campus the whole time since 2000, which yes. is incredible.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, that's an incredible story, and I love the mentor part of the story because you know I'm all about uh, hoping that everyone has a mentor in their mm-hmm. life that, that can can address or help them. Along the way, Yencon. So, and we've, you've got a long story to tell too, and I love it. So, how did you get to this seat today?
3: Well, when I was kids, and I always thought about, well, what should I pursue in the college? And then I debated. I looked into various uh, industry, and then they always have up and down. But then I realized, you know, for the food industry, well, we always need to eat, <laughs> and there's no way you can <laughs> avoid Let it. Eat. So, <laughs> you know, people depending on food for support of their life. And there's this no uh, just job security issue if you uh, select the food <laughs> scientist. <laughs> <true>. That's how <laughs> I select, you know, food science as my major in the college. And uh, then I came to the U.S. Uh, attend uh, my graduate degree program at the University of Minnesota. I was there for six years. I was tired of the snow <laughs> and the cold winters. So I came down south and joined the University of Georgia after I graduated uh, from Minnesota. Mm. So then I stayed at UGA Griffin, and since then.
1: And you've been at, you started at, at Griffin as well, correct? Yes. And how many years? When did you start here?
3: Well, 30-plus. That's awesome. Wow. No, I think
1: mean, that's incredible. That's what I want people to understand, too. When I was looking to interview or to apply for this position, one of the things, it was the best and worst, and I'll, I'll, you'll know what I mean when I say this. The best part was I saw so many 20-, 30-year people, and I mm-hmm. thought, that's got to be a good place to work. Yeah. But then, it was the scariest part of the worst, because I thought, they're all going to retire <laughs> <So> in my <laughs> tenure, and I'll have to figure out a way to, to replace it or get people there. But So, that's incredible, 30-plus years. And, and then, originally, you're from... from Taiwan originally. From Taiwan, which is fantastic. So, again, I love to uh, – we have such an international flair on campus, and I think people sometimes don't realize that, so uh-huh. I like uh, pointing that out too. Jack, tell us your life story now. Uh, okay. I Well, well, well,
4: well while I was listening to the other uh, professors talking about their stories, I was thinking, you know, how did I get to my major, <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is uh, environmental chemistry? I – I s- probably haven't had too much thought, you know, when we choose this major. I guess I have read that. That was back in late '80s, you know, when I went to the. I mean, w- w- when we had, I, I was born and raised in China, in a small town by Chinese okay. standard. Uh But still, it's more than half million people. Ooh. Mm. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I. But back then, I don't think we had, we started to have some environmental issues back then. Okay. So, and I I remember reading some uh, articles in the newspaper talking about environmental issues. And it was back then we also, this famous book, Silent Spring, you know, just came to, Mm. you know, to the news in China and we started to know there is this book, there are stories ta- talked in the book. So that's probably why I got into this major. Mm. Sure. You know, I, I probably that to me so far is still the right choice, I feel. You know, I, I got, I went to Nanjing University in China and uh, went all the way through PhD okay. in, in chemistry. And then I realized that, you know, the environmental problems, There, there, there is always this problem-solving needs. So engineering is kind of important. So I, I do want to learn some knowledge in engineering. So I, I started to contact professors in the U.S. And one back then, yeah, that was in early, that was late, I um, mean, that was in 1998 or okay. 1998. So this professor in University of Michigan, you know, he's very famous in environmental engineering. Ward Weber Jr. I uh, he, he wrote me back. He said that I, you know, said, given your status, I, I I can't take you as a postdoc. You know, back then you know in China. You know, back then the PhD was very rare. It was okay. treated almost like a postdoc. Oh wow, okay. So I okay. thought there's no difference between hmm. PhD and postdoc. <laughs> sure. Why didn't hmm. I take a PhD, another PhD, so I can learn the knowledge more systematically? Sure. So then I, I said that I would rather to do a PhD in environmental engineering. So I did another PhD in one. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> at the <laughs> University <laughs> of Michigan. <laughs> so that's that's how I got into the, invi- you know, th- m- pretty much my story about it. And then I, I after my PhD, I did four years of postdoc okay. at the University of Michigan. Uh, and, and again, I never regret my choice of doing another PhD sure. so I can know better the education system here and also learn the knowledge more systematically. After that in 2007 I started in UGA Griffin Campus. I've yeah. been here ever I've been since. been here ever
1: since. Which well, that's incredible. And I, now I know mm-hmm. you have two PhDs. I want to treat you even wow. better than I <laughs> before. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> all right. Thank you. No, so that great stories all and so uh-huh. it, it really humanizes everyone, which is 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 my goal for the campus. Because as y'all know, mm-hmm. we want people coming in, visiting, and, and being a part of what we do. Mm-hmm. And I don't want them to be scared of y'all. So, <laughs> and the same thing with environmental. Just like food, there's always going to be environmental problems. So that's a pretty safe mm-hmm. job job yeah. uh, track. For that. Okay, so the reason we're here, and I'm going to give a little history in a minute and then we're going to delve into it, but the three of y'all did something that is is really, you know, I have told so many people about this that I know they're sick <laughs> of hearing about it, but I will continue to because what y'all accomplished is just incredible. Each year the college gives, and again, I'll give a little bit of history in a minute these things called the D.W. Brooks Awards for Excellence. And, and number one, awards at the university level don't have excellence in them. Hardly ever. That's a big part of this. It is award for excellence. There's five of them the three of y'all sitting here from the Griffin campus each got one this year, which means there are only two other people. We don't—I don't, I don't even remember who they were—but <laughs> the three of y'all on the Griffin campus were awarded from the College of <clears throat> Agriculture, University of Georgia, D.W. Brooks Awards for Excellence, and I think that's incredible. And the the three categories y'all got: Dan got the one for Extension, which is incredible. Yen Khan got the one for Global Programs, um, which is really incredible. That was a, the newest one that had been added. Um, years ago, but, and then Jackie got the one for research. Those are, Incredible. There's an instruction one, and I can't remember the fifth one. So I don't even remember the ones that we don't. We don't. Yeah. But anyway, there's five of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just, so we're going to talk about those in a minute about your research. But I want to give a little bit of background about the D.W. Brooks, D.W. Brooks himself, because he was incredible for for the state of Georgia. But um, David William or D.W. Brooks was an alumnus of the University of Georgia College of Ag. And what's interesting to me, he got his degrees in 1922 and 1924 in agronomy. He started out his career at the College of Agriculture in Athens and then came back in his 90s and lectured again. And in the meantime, he didn't just (laughs) lay back and do nothing. He, among other things, started the Cotton Producers Association in Carroll County, which those of y'all in Georgia that have been in ag forever know that became Goldkist, which is internationally recognized and known. Um, Did that for years. He also started Cotton State's Mutual Insurance Company to provide farmers with insurance. He was literally revolutionary and before his time and forward thinking and what he wanted to do for Ag in Georgia. Um so that's so the 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 award was set up in his honor. He was the first inductee in the College of Ag's Hall of Fame, which is is again another great testament to what he did. But the college then set these awards up and again they, it started out not as 5 it started out as again called the the awards for excellence, but the teaching award was established in 1981 which coincidentally is the year I graduated from high school, just if, that, if that's good or bad. but um, Then in 83, they added research extension and extension programs, and then international agriculture was added in 88. So in addition to the award, there is, I'm not going to talk about the amount, but there is a, a cash award, which is incredible, um, that goes along with it. And I know you all enjoyed, I don't know if you've gotten that money yet, but you should have by now, I hope. But um, but it's just the prestige of, of being named a D.W. Brooks Award for Excellence winner. So that's kind of the history. Of, the, of D.W. Brooks himself an incredible Georgian and an incredible uh, agriculturalist in Georgia but so let's, const- let's talk about y'all now so we've talked about D.W. Brooks you guys are the D.W. Brooks winners and again there's two more I don't know who they are I can't remember who they are or where they're from but um, but but y'all and I claim y'all every day, but I really claim y'all when I talk about this. So Dan, let's talk about. Let's it, kind of we'll go through and talk about the the your your areas of research or the areas that kind of got you in the running mm-hmm. for for these
2: awards. So Dan, let's start with you, just because you're at the end of the sure. table down there. Yeah. So first, let me just say it's kind of humbling to be. Uh, it is very humbling to sure. be selected sure. for this because you 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 come to UGA Griffin, you just put your head down and you work hard and. You know, we're recognized, but it really is a team. It's Sure. A, there's a lot of people behind all three of us that helped get us to this point, right? So, uh, you know, shout out to everybody who's ever, all three of us, has ever helped us kind of get to this point. <laughs> sure. sure, that's a bunch of people. That's yeah, a, that's right. That's a right. big team. Yeah. I agree. So, uh, yeah, you just you kind of work hard. And and, and uh, I think one of the things over the past maybe five to seven years that kind of helped, uh, helped me get nominated for the Extension Award was, we established a, uh, a webinar program in, in uh, for pest control operators. Let me back up a little bit. I work very closely with educating people in the pest control industry. So you've probably heard me here talking with Brad Glass, who's a local pest control operator, have great friends in the pest control industry. Sure. And so they have to have continuing education and to learn their craft. and uh, And so one of the things that we were, with the technology that's available today uh, we said, let's develop a, a program that, where we can reach people all over the state, all over the world. And, and so in 2013, we initiated a, a webinar program that was, uh, we had, from 2013 to 2017, we probably put 5,000 people through the, wow, uh, attended those, those webinars. And we had people from India. Uh, I had a, my favorite stories. We had an, a pest control operator that lived in Alabama but he was working for a contractor in Afghanistan, in Kandahar, Afghanistan. Oh, wow. So, but he had to keep up his continuing education hours in Alabama, so he watched the webinars, got credit in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> so when he came back home, he, it was like nothing had ever happened.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
2: And so, we, we, uh, so we've had those webinars. We took last year off. Um, the, past couple, the, the last two years, we were working with the Center for Urban Agriculture and the team there. Uh, to help pull off these webinars, they're doing a fantastic job for us. And then this year, we're we're resuming the the webinar program. To uh, we're doing one per month. We had one had one last week. Our speaker was Ron Harrison from Orkin. This was interesting. So when so when Ron agreed to do this on January 16th, he did know that he was going to be in Kazakhstan. Oh, <laughs> so he's in charge of their of Orkin's international franchises. Okay. So. So Ron gives his two-hour presentation from his hotel room in Kazakhstan at 2 o'clock in the morning. Ooh, a little time difference. But we had 260 people online last week. Wow, okay. So that's that's one of the highlights. I think the webinar program is is kind of one of the highlights. We're doing one a month for the next 11 months. And then we do a lot of other training programs as well. So this is – some folks have probably heard me talk about the 10-week certificate program. So since 2006, we've had people – Come to the Griffin campus from all over the state for this nighttime program, and it starts at 6 p.m. and ends at 9 p.m. We've had people attend that program since 2006 from Dahlonega, Augusta. We used to have somebody drive from Brunswick. Gosh. <laughs> a four hour drive for a three hour class sure. and four hours back home. <laughs> and uh, so we had requests to take that statewide, and, and so what we did was we developed this 10 this 12 month webinar program and uh so we'll have an insect id you'll be able to look at insects and that kind of thing so that's kind of a, a nutshell
1: and it's, and looking at insects you make it sound so easy that's critically important in the state of georgia because the structural pest component oh it's so a big deal yeah yeah <laughs> it, it's big so i mean that's great i mean i think and i think that really speaks to what people don't understand about the campus you you were talking about the the thousands of, of people that have come through your program, every year we have about 35,000 people come through the campus doing different programs. And I think people kind of think that's why I like having researchers on the show is because people need to understand there's a lot going on there. Y'all aren't just looking at a microscope all day long. There's campus a, touches
2: oh, a lot of people.
1: It touches a lot of people. So that's a, that's a great example. So, again, Khan, let's move to you. So so how did you – what what did you – and we could list a whole bunch of things you've done to get this award, but but how did – what led you to the award this year, to receiving the award?
3: Well, um, the global program uh, is kind of recognition for the lifetime achievements. Okay. And so it's not one single event. However, the global program just not international collaboration by itself. Still, the backbone of the collaboration is research. And because of my research uh, area in food safety, so, you know, in the U.S., people all, you know, uh, have concern and we want to make sure food we purchase and consume are safe. And so for other people in the rest of the world, you know, food safety also is an important issue for them. So they want their food to be safe. So uh, when I started my research activity at the University of Georgia, and uh, I had opportunity because of my research area on processing technology to help ensure the safety and quality of food. So I had the chance uh, to host a lot of visiting scientists, visiting scholars, visiting students. And so over the year, I developed a lot of the collaboration and through, you know, invited lecture and short courses and international conferences. And then so I realized um, helping other countries, scientists to ensure their food safety also helping the U.S. because now we import a lot of food Mm -hmm. from all over the world you know, all the way from fresh produce, dairy products, meat products, seafoods. And so if we can, you know, help other people ensure their food safety, that in turn will also help us uh, to ensure our food safety. So it's a win-win situation. So that's how I think the global program and the international
1: cooperation is very important. I think it's incredible. I mean, the, the international programs is, is such a critical component. And, again, something that people maybe don't associate with the Griffin campus, but they should. So that, okay. that's the great the recognition has come in the way it has. Because we could say that about any of the departments on campus through the College of Ag and just the campus itself. We have a real big international flavor in the middle of Griffin, Georgia, which is mm-hmm. something that's I'm right. very proud yeah, of.
3: Yeah, at the UGA and in our college, we have very strong international uh, corporations and then, you know, I am just one you know, example. There are many, many other successful uh, examples on other international activities. And so I'm just fortunate this year I've been selected uh, to receive this recognition.
1: Absolutely, and we're, we're so proud of you. All, all three of you that was so awesome. So, okay, Jack, so mm-hmm. you, you, you get to hear the others tell their stories, but now sure. you have to tell your story. <laughs> yeah, so I've been trying to <laughs> organize my story. So you've got to top them. Yeah, you <laughs> got, it's got to be a top of everything. <laughs> okay, <laughs>
4: okay. <laughs> uh, well, uh, my, my story will be different for sure. I'm an environmental chemist slash engineer. So my general interest, research interest is to... I'm particularly interested in the innovative technologies that can be used to deal with those uh, environmental issues that were hard to be solved by the traditional technology, right? So... (coughs) I guess one of the technologies that I've been working on for years that also led me to this award was we were trying to use uh, the enzymes or a class of one type of or, or a few types of enzymes that are critically involved in the soil hu- organic matter humification process because they are very Coffee. I mean, they're very, they have some special functions. Okay. They can degrade very hard to degrade organic matters. So we try to utilize that function, uh, trying to use that to degrade very hard to degrade uh, artificial compounds, like man made compounds. Okay. For for example, uh, one of the words that some people might have heard was the, uh, it's a long name, Per and polyfluoroalkyl substances. In short, (laughs) PFAS. Okay. Short version. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) PFAS. Okay. You will hear. You will hear. If you haven't, you will hear this word more and more often. You know, by EPA by the politicians, you know, by government officials, okay. I. Uh, it's a compound that have caused more and more concern. Okay. It was, it, w- it has been in, been used for years for maybe, I started in 40s, I guess the compounds was, uh, they're very special compounds because they replaced all the hydrogens with fluorines to make the compounds very stable so that they can have special uses. For example, in you know, the firefighting agents. Okay. Because they can resist fire. They're they're very stable. But back then we 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 don't we didn't think they have any toxicity. Sure. But sure. now with our technology and d- developed, we start to know more and more. <laughs> we, <laughs> <laughs> we start to realize these compounds are toxic. It's come mm-hmm. back to haunt us a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, they yes. come back haunt us, and they have been used for so long, and they are so persistent. So when you, when EPA, they look, they look at three things: if the compounds are persistent, okay. and they are bioaccumulative, they can get into people's body, you know, or organism body, mm-hmm. and uh, they're, they're carcinogenic. Sure. If you combine these three, they're... they're, they're yeah, that's they're a bad, that's a bad thing. <laughs> they're on the, on <laughs> the blacklist, okay? <laughs> so, but still these compounds, I mean, in the U.S., they haven't been regulated yet, although, okay. you hmm. know, because there, are w- we don't have a way to trade them, okay? Ah, okay. So, okay. or a, a, a very cost-effective way to trade them. So. Anyway, though that's one type of compounds. That's a just an example. We try to use this very special uh, catalysis process by these special enzymes, trying to see whether we can use them to deal with this type of sure. very hard to degrade compounds. And the other application we were trying to use for those enzymes is to apply them. on. I teamed up with, we have a great turf team on our campus, Absolutely. you know, uh, great scientists there. So, uh, Bob Carroll, who is who is retired, and uh, Paul Reimer, uh still working with with me on this uh, topic. You know, we are trying to use en- these enzymes enzymes to solve the uh, thatch problem. You know, for example, on the golf. Green. Absolutely, thatch on golf greens is, yeah, a, is golf critical. Green, yeah. yeah, if you're a golfer, Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or if you're a uh, golf course superintendent, sure. You know, that's uh, probably number one thing in your mind. So we're trying to, you know, using these enzymes to to deal with that issue as well to facilitate the degradation of a thatch. So mm-hmm. we we have had a few patents on all these things and. Uh, uh, we have published uh, many papers in this area. And also we have uh, industrial partners to work with us on both things I've talked sure. about. Uh, for example, on the environmental side, we have uh, the company called AECOM. AECOM, wh- which is the largest engineering consulting firm in the world. Oh, wow. Okay. And they also, I mean, when, when we work together, they're you know, they you know, pretty high level people in their company have came to my to visit my lab. We talked about the collaboration. Just just as an example sure. as what Lou have just said of there are lots of activities going on our campus. We're connected to the world. And the things that we're doing have an impact, maybe a little impact on the world. You know? Absolutely. No, I think in, I think that's in, a great certain Examples
1: ways. of yeah. Again, where we have the international flair, but we also have an impact internationally yeah. as UGA in general, mm-hmm. but as the Griffin mm-hmm. campus too. I would yeah. put what what y'all do, what mm-hmm. we do there, yeah. up against anybody. Mm-hmm. And we're going to take a break here in just a second. Our bottom of the hour break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about patents a little bit, just mm-hmm. because it's something to brag about for this <laughs> campus. But um, then we'll continue on talking about the future of y'all's research, and then more mm-hmm. about the awards and just anything else we want to talk about because it's our show, right? Mm-hmm. So, Tony, if you're ready, we can take that bottom of the hour break and come back and get with it again.
5: You're listening to the University of Georgia Griffin Campus News on AM 1450 WKEU in Griffin, Georgia. Also heard on 102.3 FM, being broadcast this morning on 88.9 FM The Rock, Georgia Public Radio at its finest. You can stream us live at the website WKEURadio.com and take us with you wherever you go, courtesy the free WKEU app for all smartphone and tablet devices. This morning's program continues after this.
0: Frank and Carolyn Harris of Round Oak Resources Tree Farm and Murray & Company Realty. Proud supporters of the University of Georgia Griffin Campus and proud to bring you this week's edition of the University of Georgia Griffin Campus News. As the UGA Griffin Campus grows with the great educational opportunities for our children, Round Oak Resources Tree Farm is growing our future with trees to support and assist our environment. Frank and Carolyn Harris of Round Resources Tree Farm and Murray & Company Realtors are proud supporters of the UGA Griffin Campus and area youth activities in Griffin and Spalding County.
5: Welcome you back to this morning's program on the University of Georgia Griffin Campus News to continue with the proceedings and learn more about the prestigious work going on on campus in the research department. Here is Dr. Lou Honeycutt.
1: Thank you, Tony. Welcome back, everybody. We have a great show going on today. We're, we're prestigious is a great word because we're I'm with three researchers today who received the I'm going to say it's the most prestigious awards the College of Agriculture at the University of Georgia gives, and that is the D.W. Brooks Awards for Excellence. And so, sitting here with me today is Dan Suter, who won the award, the uh, D.W. Brooks Award for Excellence for Extension. Um, yinkon Hung, who won the award for Global Programs, and for uh, Jack Juan, who won the program or won the award for Research. Which so incredible components, and as y'all have heard me say, the one sitting here, obviously, and then people listening, I've been bragging about this for. I'll get to brag about it till the awards come around next year, and we'll see. You know, hopefully, we'll have three more, or four more, or five more. But but certainly, I brag until then <laughs> uh, because it is an incredible it it's rare that especially on an extended campus it's rare that three of five awards would would come to, to mm-hmm. but again the quality there and quality sh- shines through so so we're very happy about that so we kind of got y'all's backgrounds or not kind of we did get your backgrounds before the break and then where your research has been going but so let and we it, I guess we can start back with Dan just because you're at the other end, but let's talk about the award itself. I mean, th- there's a it's a big shindig to to, to make a, a euphemism from America in there, but in in Athens and you know a lot of places. But let's talk about the event that y'all all went to, we all went to, and got to experience. And we y'all can all chime in, but w- let, tell us about the event because it's pretty awesome. The DW Brooks Awards.
2: Yeah, it was a, it was a formal, it was a highly formal event. With it started out. I think it started at in that afternoon it was I didn't early, get home till ten o'clock that night. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was uh so the event started out with a small reception. I, I think we had a small reception there at the Georgia Center, followed by a room full of people for the uh uh the the lecture. The the guy from he was from Harvard, Parleberg was from Harvard, he was a ag policy director at Harvard <coughs> University talking about uh Kind of the uh, the foodies versus the aggies sure. concept of, of agriculture and sustainability and that kind of thing. Really great lecture. I think it's online somewhere. If you I probably, too. I I think it's probably still up. If you probably Googled his name, it would probably. I'm sure it would pop up. And then uh, and then we had more reception and went to a formal dinner. Just the College of Ag Administration and it was the dean. Every dean in the College of Agriculture was there, including yourself and sure uh, people from from all the Athens uh college of ag administrators and you know they singled us out and, and uh presented the award it was a it was a fantastic evening again really humbling it, Very humbling. It, it
1: was a great event. And I tried to go every year, but I certainly wasn't going to miss this year. <laughs> but then, Yen Kong, this yeah. is a this was a family event as well. I mean, families were invited. I mean, the, the college celebrates with not just the, the purse of the award winner, but their <clears> families <throat> as well. So, and I'm, I'm assuming your family had a, both of y'all, all three of y'all's families had mm-hmm. good times. But, I mean, right. that's a pretty incredible part to me.
3: Right. I, my. My family, my wife, and my older son uh, was there, uh, joined me to celebrate this award. And in addition, I also invite some of my colleagues. And because of, you know, any program and you will not be successful just by yourself. So you have a lot of people supporting you all the way from your students, your people working in your lab, mm-hmm. and to your colleagues. And so I also had uh, my department head and Dr. Rocky Singh is very supportive sure. of my international activities and uh, my other colleagues. and. Uh, like Dr. Manji Chinan, he was also a food engineer. So actually, uh, when I first joined the University of Georgia, uh, my first international trip was with him. Okay. And, and uh, so he, you know, helped me to uh, open my eyes to a lot of international collaborations and activities. And then also I had um, uh, Dr. Ed Kanamasu uh, for some people, you know, used to be, you know, they stay at Griffin mm-hmm. campus long enough, <laughs> may remember the name, and yeah. Dr. Ed Kanamasu mm-hmm. was the department head of the Crop and Soil Sciences Department at the Griffin campus, sure. and then he then moved to the Essence campus and later on uh, became the global programs director yeah. uh, for the college, and so he also provided tremendous support, and so I also invite him at uh, the uh, lecture. But what I enjoyed the most, you know, besides the awards (laughs) and the (laughs) The (laughs) (laughs) recognition is the lecture. I think Mm. he addressed The critical issue, because there's a lot of misconceptions about Mm -hmm. agriculture, production Mm -hmm. agriculture, and food processing. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people think, you know, uh, you want to do the least amount possible. You don't want to add any fertilizer or any pesticide. And uh, then for the food processing, you don't want to add any, you know, Chemical, any preservatives, uh, any processing ads. However, you know some of these, particularly on the food science side, and some of the chemicals. Uh, food is a chemicals, and sure. uh, so <laughs> it is. A c- it's a protein. It's a lipid. It's carbohydrate. These are chemicals. So food by itself, you know, are chemicals. Sure. But you know the food those food additives are very tightly regulated by the FDAs, and uh, so if you use this chemical uh, appropriately according to the regulations, and those chemicals are safe, they are there for reasons. And one of the reasons we see, you know, more of some of the outbreak is because of some of the people, they remove some of the preservative of the microbial inhibitor from their formulation without thinking why those chemicals were there in the first place. And then the food, you know, become contaminated and cause outbreaks. And so I think the speakers and uh, was an excellent speaker and uh, addressed a very critical issue and to the us to the consumers t- today
1: I agree and I think I Dean Pardue Sam Pardue who's our all of our Dean um, and has been for a little almost three years now because he came after I did but um, Strives every year with um, <coughs> Dr. Bart from Global Programs and other all the people get together and say, Who do we want to bring in? And and they bring in incredible speakers. And I thought the the interesting mm-hmm. thing on the speaker to me yeah. was a couple of times he I, if you weren't really listening to what he was saying, it was almost like he was anti some of the things mm. that, but then he would if you were listening he right. went right back and right. brought it back into where it needed to be but I would look around the room and I would see some people that I'm like you're not listening <laughs> because I could see some jaws sitting and things like that so I, I thought it was it was great too and so Jack and they've covered a lot of what 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 do you remember most or what it was an incredible. sure uh, it
4: was a yeah festivity you know basically you way know, we, we just had you know, uh, we had a chance to listen this great lecture and also have you know great reception and dinner. And I, my wife was there with me, and I also invited uh, Professor Paul Raymer as a rep representative of many collaborators sure. who have helped me with my research and uh, great su- uh, support of my research. And also, uh, three of my, four of my students were there. which <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. yeah. So so it was also, to me, I, a chance for me to thank back to all those people who have helped me with my research, sure. including your Collaborators, students, my family, obvious, obviously, and also you know like Dr. Hardinca as a you, you know, don't have the to say that because I'm from campus. <laughs> <laughs> really, you know, I, I, you know, I, and my department, and, sure, you know, sure. But yeah, I mean, uh, the, the three of us has. Started at Griffin Campus a- and stay through, right? That's says something, I guess. You know, there, there there is some unique thing with the Griffin Campus. I feel you know people are close to each other, people support each other. You can work happily, you know. So that's very important, you know, for for you to sometimes have a little success, right? Absolutely, I
1: agree. So, <laughs> and the, you know, the great thing about the mm-hmm. campus to me, and of course, mm-hmm. I came here a little over three years ago, and but but when I first looked at, again, I told you all the length of time people been here was a great said something good to me, but when I came to interview too. You just get. I told the provost in my first meeting with her, which is not what you want to tell your boss, is that if you'd have, if this job would have been offered in Athens, I wouldn't have applied. And she's like, "Can you explain that?" To me? I'm <laughs> like, "Sure." I said, "I would have gotten lost in the the, the mechanism in Athens, but in Griffin is just a different feel, and it is. I love Athens. We, we wouldn't be in Griffin if there wasn't in an Athens, and we have great support from from the main campus, but." There's just something different when you get to the Griffin campus. And y'all are three great examples because you could have easily come on here and said, I am the greatest, I am the world. You know, y'all don't use I a lot, and I think that's fantastic because, and and none of us do at Griffin because we get it that there, and Danny said it first, and and everyone else agreed, there's a bunch of people around y'all making things Mm -hmm. happen too. And fortunately, you know, I, I kid the people in my office all the time. The more y'all look good, the, the better I look. <laughs> but it's, it's the truth. We kind of everything kind of moves up that direction, and I think we have a unique kind of setting at the Griffin campus. Um, so I applaud y'all for doing that. You know, and that's again why I like having researchers on the show because there's a, a, a perception, and you know everything works in this country on perception that PhDs are just stuffy. And they just they don't want to talk, and they don't want that is not true. I mean, we're all sitting all here. We all are, and we're all talking. So it's a little bit different. But okay, so let's kind of shift a little bit and talk about we're we're talking about the award, and we'll continue to talk about it. Let's talk about. Looking forward towards the future, what are some ideas? And we'll start. With Jack, we'll, we'll work the other way this time. <laughs> but what are some areas you're looking at now, and um, mm-hmm. you know what that, that you're going to go into the next few years mm-hmm. with? Well, uh, that's a
4: great question. I uh, we I I have talked about this PFAS. PFAS. Mm-hmm. I have not. Going Thank to you for using <laughs> the say that full name, name again. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so these are the special compounds that have caused. A lot of attention, and also potentially it would co- it would be a threat to the health, to the public health. So the re- uh, regulatory agencies and the politicians and the whole the country public are paying more and more attention to these compounds. And so I mentioned that we try to use uh, enzyme to to solve this problem. And the enzyme kind of work in the soil, you know, okay. uh, I, but in the meantime, we also want to deal with the water. So the thing that we are working on, which is pretty cool to me, you know, we're working on a special electrochemical technology that will deal with the water, will try to deal with water. Uh, and, and This is a special type of thing. You know, first, first of all, it's a special material. That we work on okay. uh, to use it as an electrode. You know, but this electrode we make the it porous. It's not mm-hmm. only an electrode but also a membrane, so that we can uh, enable a type of process we call it reactive electrochemical membrane process. Okay. So the water is passed through, and in the meantime, we apply a charge to it to degrade the compounds. To mineralize uh, you know, to degrade the compounds. So that's the process that we are focusing on. We have got uh, grants from uh, DOD, uh, Department of uh, D- Defense. You, I mean, you you might wonder why <laughs> they will <laughs> fund this type of research because uh, they use uh, firefighting agents a firefighting agent. Oh, they sure, have a okay. big mm-hmm. legacy land that have these issues. If these hmm. are regulated, they have big liability issues. Sure. Potential. But in the meantime, they are also, I, I want to say good words for DOD. They have been, for years, for many years, they have been a good uh, steward of the environment. Sure. They, they have good environmental research programs. This special program called Strategic Environmental Research and Development program they have funded a lot of research uh, that trying to solve the environmental problems but of course obviously most of them are related to their own problems so this is one of the example I have a few uh, projects funded by them and uh, also one project currently currently funded by Air Force uh, Civil Engineering Center you know to work on these type of things I that's, that will
1: probably be one of the focuses that going forward for a few years. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, mm-hmm. you need to make up a better story, though, about DOD mm-hmm. that it's mm-hmm. like for their flying saucer program at <laughs> Area 51 or something. <laughs> just to make a better story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Yin right. Kahn, going towards the future. And don't say retirement because you're not you're allowed to retire. So what, moving in the future, what are you looking at? Yes, I'm still continues.
3: you know, since we're talking about international programs. So I just want to mention that uh, right now I s- uh, have one visiting scientist and she will be working on seafoods and oh, uh, right, right. how to use some of the uh, natural preservatives to help uh, maintain the quality of uh, catfish. You know, catfish is a U.S absolutely products. And uh, <laughs> so we want uh, working on how to uh, preserve the quality of those catfish fillets and uh, even when it goes through the freezing uh, and sawing cycle. And then I'm in the process bringing another visiting scientist and uh, to work on produce uh, safety. So besides the visiting scientists, you know, last year I have two PhD students graduate from my program, and I still have two uh, other PhD scientists, uh, PhD students in my laboratory. One is working on using the uh, nanoparticle to coat food contact surfaces and to prevent Bacteria to grow. So that in turn to help prevent cross-contamination and then to ensure the food safety. So I continue, uh, plan to continue my international activity and also my research activity on food
1: safety. No, that's awesome. And I think that adds another component that people probably don't understand. In addition to y'all doing research, you're also interacting with students. And Mm -hmm. I mean, you're time, you know, people don't go into teaching or research for the eight to five kind of job. It it, mm-hmm. is, it takes whatever it mm-hmm. takes. And to bring visiting professors in, to bring students in, it takes an, a, an effort right. to get these students right. through. But the great thing is you get to train them basically in your own image, or you get to train these people that are going to lead us into the next level for the next 20 or 30 years. Yeah, that's, that's the incredible.
3: most rewarding part. And it's working with very talented uh, the individuals. And then they are also very different Sure. And so sure. each one you need to nurture them and train them depending on each individual and uh, their learning style, their working style. So, uh, you know, it's been fortunate. I think that's the most rewarding part uh, for this particular position is to have the opportunity with working those talented students and scientists.
1: Sure, and I think and building confidence. I mean, we we have we can line students up all day long through our <coughs> careers that really started that weren't real confident by the time they left here or left your labs or left your programs. Man, they're ready to take on the world, and that's I think that's again a great great part of what we do or what y'all do. Okay, so Dan, you what where what's next?
2: So yeah, so as an extension person, I'm, I'm applied by nature. Extension sure. is applied by nature, so. We talked earlier about the issue of continuing education for pest control operators, I, and I can foresee in the immediate future and long term probably developing programs that will reach people nationwide and the world. So I, I think that's, you know, we have our webinar programs now, and and really the issue is is that we have language barriers, but we also sure. have barriers of letting people know overseas and and. And in various states that we have these programs. So we'll be working on that kind of thing. We'll continue the the program that we're doing this year. Um, so I, I, I think probably distance ed is gonna be a really big component of this. And then uh, for the, maybe the foreseeable, again, re- maybe the rest of my career. And then uh, on the research side, I typically try to have one graduate student all the time. Sure. And uh, so I had a student that just finished. I'm gonna tell a story in just a second, that me and Jack published a paper together. <laughs> oh, right cool! Somewhere. Awesome! Really okay. interesting story. <laughs> but the the student I just recently had was working on invasive species. So if you look at pests of agriculture or pests in your home, a lot of those pests are not native to the U.S. Sure, right. So they're in, they're invasives. They came in through they came in through typically uh, big ports of entry like in Savannah. Yeah, so we happen to have one of those in this. Yeah, state, don't we not <laughs> It's the third largest in the country, by the way. <clears throat> So he was looking at uh, invasive ants on the port there in Savannah. And uh, so he'll probably continue doing some work in invasive species, insect research, that kind of thing. But getting back to the story with Jack. Sure. So it's the same student, and he worked on a completely different topic. And we just published this paper a year ago. So a little bit about ant biology. It's biology 101 on ants. Hey, I so, love it. So most ants communicate by smell, Right. There's, there's smells on an insect's body that tell other ants, tell other ants, give other ants information about that ant. Okay. So if you think of an ant, a fire ant, they're in the dark most of the time. They're two feet underground and it's pitch black. So there's been over 30 of these types of chemicals that have been identified wow. by on just fire ants. So there was a there was a scientific paper published a couple years ago that showed that in sugar ants the Georgians would know this as a sugar ant. So it's an invasive species from South America called the Argentine ant. Uh, when that ant dies, it gives off a particular smell that tells live ants, this ant's dead, we need to go put it over in a pile over here. It's <laughs> okay. called a bone pile. Okay. So, uh, so as, it, as it works out, when that ant is alive... There are two other smells on the ant's body that mask that third smell. So when that ant dies, those two smells go away. Those two chemicals sure. go away. And now this third smell can be detected by a live ant. And the reason for this is that dead ants, there are, there are fungal pathogens that grow on dead organisms. Okay. You want to get those away from the nest as quickly as possible. So this happens in 30 minutes when an ant dies. Another ant knows that it's a uh, dead and picks it up and moves it away from the wow. colony immediately. So Jack helped us isolate that third chemical. Oh, so this is cool. de- this is a devious part of science. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> we took that smell and put it on a piece of paper, and live ants thought that the piece of paper was a dead ant. Wow! And they picked it up and moved it over into the bug pile. <laughs> <laughs> and then we put a pesticide on the piece of paper. Oh! And now the ant, a live ant, picks up a piece of paper that thinks is a dead ant, and gets contaminated with a pesticide, and it kills them. Wow, that's very cool. cool. Yeah, and a collaboration which is even yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the fun part of what we do. Well That's a
4: yeah. example of our collaboration that that happen, happens between the people on the campus, uh, absolutely, on our <laughs> campus, and. Besides a paper I published with Dan, I also published a paper with Yang Kong. Okay, let's talk. We're going to go to a break real
1: quick. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to talk about that because I love the collaboration component. So, Tony, we're ready for our next break, and we'll come back and do some wrap-up stuff.
0: Frank and Carolyn Harris of Round Oak Resources Tree Farm and Murray and & Company Realty Proud supporters of the University of Georgia Griffin Campus and proud to bring you this week's edition of the University of Georgia Griffin Campus News. As the UGA Griffin Campus grows with the great educational opportunities for our children, Round Oak Resources Tree Farm is growing our future with trees to support and assist our environment. Frank and Carolyn Harris of Round Oak Resources Tree Farm and Murray & Company Realtors are proud supporters of the UGA Griffin Campus and area youth activities in Griffin and Spalding County.
5: In upcoming news and announcements from the University of Georgia Griffin campus, Young Scholar applications are available online. Simply visit www.ysp.caes.uga.edu for more information and an application. The deadline for application is next Thursday, January 31st. The erosion and sediment control initial certification class will be held this Saturday in Stuckey Auditorium's Conference Center, Room 119. The fee of $150 includes all materials, breaks, the exam, and filing with the state of Georgia. If you are involved in moving soil in any capacity, this certification is required. A campus tour will be conducted on Tuesday, January 29th, the first at 1230, another at 430, beginning on the first floor of the Flint Building. For more information, you can contact Teresa Parker at 770-412-4400. The Campus Store, located on the first floor of the Flint Building at 1109 Experiment Street, has new UGA and Georgia Bulldog items arriving weekly. The shelves are stocked with officially licensed UGA apparel, souvenirs, and gifts. The Campus Store hours are Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. And information on current undergraduate and graduate degrees, which are offered through the five university colleges, can be obtained by visiting griffin.uga.edu or by calling 770-412-4400. time to dot the i's and cross the t's on this week's university of georgia griffin campus news for that here is the show's host he's the campus director and assistant provost dr lou honeycutt
1: Thanks, Tony. Welcome back everybody. We've been having fun here today and, and talking about a great group of people. Number one, faculty at the Griffin Campus, but specifically three faculty who were the recipients of the D.W. Brooks Awards for Excellence. Again, just to brag real quick, and then we'll get back to the story, but uh, five awards are given every year. The most prestigious awards, I'm gonna say in the world, but you know, maybe the Nobel Prize is going <laughs> But three of the five are right here with me today and work and, and play right here on the Griffin Campus, and we're so proud of that. And so, Jack, we right before we left, we were talking about collaborations, and you yeah. said yeah. not only have you, so you seem mm-hmm. to be the collaborator of all time. You worked with Dan, but you've also <laughs> collaborated with Yan <laughs> Kang. So, what kind of what kind of thing did y'all collaborate on?
4: Yeah, maybe Yan Kong was was uh, the major player in this collaboration. I I, I play the support support okay. role always because I'm a chemist. So everyone kind of everyone need, needs a chemist. So, <laughs> for example, with Dan, I helped him with the uh, you. Know, uh, chemical isolation, and with uh, Yang Kang, is more. We, we were trying to use some chemicals as a new uh, d- disinfecting right. agents. You yeah. would call it, yeah. And uh, I also helped on the chemical analysis. Okay. For that specific,
3: yeah. you know, example, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Jack and I we collaborate mm-hmm. on other uh, mm-hmm. projects. But the most recent one, I think, Mm -hmm. initiated by Jack Mm -hmm. and uh, because he was working on Mm -hmm. one of the environmental chemicals to degrade those uh, environmental uh, products, scalp called uh, Mm prosulfate. And uh, so he said, one time he mentioned to me that, Mm -hmm. you know, whether this has any potential to Mm -hmm. also to Mm -hmm. kill the harmful foodborne pathogens to help ensure the food safety. Mm And it's not approved for food use. Sure. But, you know, you always need the research and to support and justify and it is safe and can be used for food. So that's how the collaboration started. So right now, one of my uh, PhD students and is working on and he found this uh, persulfate, and uh, just by itself is a very stable uh, chemical. Sure. But after you activate it, and then it's become a very effective uh, uh, chemical to cure uh, harmful foodborne pathogens. Mm. And so uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Huang is also on the student's committee, so yeah. he's continue working on that, so.
4: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, there are a few virtues of these chemicals. One, they are not that e- expensive, and uh, like Dr. Hong just said, they are stable. Just as it is, so it's easy to shipping, handling. But once you activate it, it start work. And m- one more interesting thing is that when they after they work, they form a
1: sulfate, which are. Benign. That's and what I was, was going to ask: is after what's the aftereffect? Yeah. Which that's yeah. even that's yeah. incredible. So, they're, they're so so I see lots of potential happened. there. Yeah. So we may there may be a Nobel Prize in this. Maybe we get to or that, that next level. A patent <laughs> 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 yeah. probably <We> shouldn't be <laughs> talking <laughs> about <any> of this. <laughs> yeah, this may be top secret. But well, I'm going to say something about patents real quick, and then we're going to kind of do the finish up with. I've got a mm-hmm. question for all y'all, but mm-hmm. and y'all may not know this, but in the the Dundee Cafe, which we hope to open very soon, there's a wall that's that's kind of an homage to faculty and. What it shows and, and we can only go back to 1995 because unfortunately before that not all patents went through the university and not all do now but mm-hmm. but our campus and I would put this up against an extended campus anywhere in the country mm-hmm. our campus since 1995 has developed 94 different patents wow. went all the way mm-hmm. through I know it's incredible mm-hmm. and no one knew that that's just again more data no one mm-hmm. knew And when at the grand opening or at the dedication of the building doctor, I made certain Dr. Morehead walked by. (laughs) And even he said, he, he said so many complimentary things about our campus that day, but that, no one can pass that without being impressed. And so I applaud all of y'all for, for what you've done all these years and everyone else. We've got about 45 faculty on campus, and they're all doing incredible things. We just happen to have three that, that really got pointed out this year. But So last question. We've really only got about two minutes. I'm just going to open this up to y'all. We were talking about this during the break. What ke- what keeps you at the Griffin campus? Well, I mean, because I see it too. I mean, when you get there, you just kind of know it. it's just kind of home, kind of thing. But but what's kept y'all there for, and hopefully for a lot longer? I don't want anybody to say, "Well, I'm leaving tomorrow." What's kept y'all at the Griffin campus? Any and all of y'all?
2: I love my job. Well, there you go. That's good. I like that. I can't see going anywhere else, to be honest with you. Um, oh, lo- that's great. I, we love it here, and I we're. You know, we're entrenched in the community, and we we love Griffin. So, I it kind of catches me by surprise the question because I have never <laughs> thought about <laughs> leaving. <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer.
3: Yeah, we have good support, and uh, all the way from technical support to the the professional college mm-hmm. support, and, mm-hmm. we and, mm-hmm. and we have good library <coughs> librarians, yeah, and we have good statisticians, and so this is a very nice working environment and to facilitate to uh, our. A productive program
1: well and to me the the mate when i and i said this if y'all were sitting in my interviews y'all heard me say this but one of the the ways i can sum it up to myself we we have the power of the university of georgia uh-huh. a major player internationally but we get it in a little bitty package <laughs> right here in griffin <laughs> so we get to have everything that is uga yeah. but we don't have to deal yeah. with the yeah. minutiae or whatever you want to yeah. call it that is uga yeah. so I, that's one well, of the things I really yeah like. on
4: top of the, the job the
1: people and
4: the, you know, the university, and uh, one thing I want to mention, actually, I have a very well-equipped lab. You probably don't feel that, you you may think Mm -hmm. on the extended lab, maybe our equipment are not as good, but actually my, I mean, my colleagues at at Essence, they, they actually... Some of them are jealous. <laughs> well, I have in my That's life a middle, good thing. So <laughs> we <like that>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, just I, yeah. Uh, but you
1: make a good point. I think yeah. there's also a misconception sometimes that mm-hmm. we're off in the mm-hmm. hinterlands and no one supports us. That is not mm-hmm. true. We yeah, get incredible uh, lines of support from the president support. down yeah. To, yeah. The, to the college yeah. and and the other four colleges on campus for yeah. instruction. Yeah. There's an incredible support
2: mechanism for our campus. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, we're out of time. I wish we weren't. We I could go on mm-hmm. talking with y'all forever.